Today's episode of It Never Rains is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Pac-12 tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in just two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download GameTime in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score some last-minute tickets. Stop. It never rains at Austin Stadium. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to It Never Rains, an Oregon Ducks podcast, which is actually aptly named because we've had a beautiful stretch of weather here in the Portland and Eugene area. Aaron Fentress joins me here. Uh, We're going to talk about Oregon's 17-7 win over Cal, a little bit about how the Pac-12 is the toughest conference in the country. Actually, we're not going to do that. Aaron, (laughs) (laughs) Oregon's coming off a win. Yeah, I, I know. It, it, it's I, I feel like that's kind of like the overlying theme of, of, of this week is Oregon won, as Oregon is is wont to do. I don't think I'm using that properly. And you and I both came away from that game thinking that, man, that was that was an ugly win. But then we're, we're both riding in the press box and we're watching Stanford completely manhandle Washington. Exactly. Like, like I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what to think about after all this. But, but Oregon is, <laughs> Oregon is four and one now. They are two and zero oh in conference play, and the only other team in the Pac-12 North that doesn't even have two losses is Oregon State. So I think dun, the Ducks dun, dun, are feeling dun. pretty good right now. Um, <laughs> anyways, we'll get into all that. But just first, how, how are you doing this morning? I, I feel like I'm talking too much here. <laughs> Oh, I'm doing horribly. The Bears went to London and choked against the Raiders. Other than that, I'm fine personally. I'm. I mean, you know, the Bears are really just America's team, and they do <laughs> their best work on U.S. U.S. soil. Um, I, I can completely understand it. Um, How come the Raiders get to go actually, to London back to back years, though? The Raiders played the Seahawks there last year. Was am I missing something there? Are they like London's team? Well, I feel. I feel like you're using that. Uh, as like making it sound like a reward or incentive. I don't know if I'm an NFL player and I want to like, like it kind of makes sense when like the Jaguars go because like it's, <laughs> you're kind of just hopping across the pond. You're not having to hop across the land and then the pond, but um, I thought they went, actually I thought they went North. I think the Seattle Riders last year said they went North and um, to get, well, to it. I don't know. I mean, that's, that's, that's if you're assuming that <laughs> that's, it's, that, that's assuming if you, that's assuming if you think it's a globe and, uh, you know, we're, uh, we're not a flat. conspiracy podcast. No, yeah, no, we're not. We're not right. about that life. Right. It's a globe. All it's right, a globe. Kyrie all you Al- organ players. All right, Kyrie Alger. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I, I don't quite have the handle that he does, but I do on this podcast. So Aaron, <laughs> you wrote, you wrote a column, uh, after the game on, uh, 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 Saturday. I'm getting confused because the Ducks play Colorado this Friday, but the game this week was on Saturday. Um, and essentially your premise was, I think what a lot of us think this Oregon offense is pretty ugly. I mean, they rank fifth, fifth in the pack 12 in points per game. They rank fifth in the pack 12 in passing yards per game. They rank fifth in the pack 12 in rushing yards per game, which is completely something that you would not expect a team with this talent to do. There's plenty of concerns, but it might 
just not matter. Yeah. Right? Like, like you said about the Washington-Stanford game, Washington was sort of penciled in as like this mini Goliath on the schedule that has a quarterback who can push the ball downfield, a good defense, good running game. If Oregon rolls in there and can't run well and struggles on offense, they're going to lose that game. But then you look up and they're getting smacked around by Stanford. It's like, wait a minute. We can't say that anymore because Oregon, for how ever mediocre it looked on offense in that game. They won 21-6 at Stanford, and the Huskies lost 23-13, correct? So you can't walk away from that going, oh, Oregon's going to have trouble with Washington. They still might. I mean, you know, Team A beating Team B, 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 C doesn't mean C is going to beat A, but you can't. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) hold on. (laughs) You want to write that down? (laughs) You know, there's a reason why I'm a writer and not a numbers problem. Oh, my goodness. Uh, So, but they could easily lose that game, of course, but – Right now, it's like, okay, well, maybe you don't need to score 35 points per game to win the North because the North, no one in the North is scoring. It's, it's just a mess of a, of a division in terms of offense. So the defense could be enough to get them through the North. And then once you get into the Pac-12 title game, it's anyone's ball game. Now, that said, there's no way in hell I believe they're going to go 12-1. Like, they're going to lose a couple mm-hmm. games. They have some tough games coming yeah. up. Things are not going to bounce their way. You're not going to play. You know, like, if Cal had their starting quarterback, who knows what happens in that game? I don't know. Uh, but... They're going to drop a couple, but I think they can definitely get to the Pac-12 title game just on the strength of their defense. Yeah, you know, it, I'll dive into that more for a second. I just, I just want to bring up the fact that like uh, De- Devin Modster, the the backup quarterback, he had like a couple throws in that first quarter where you just went like, "Oh, Oregon Uh-oh. could be in trouble." <laughs> yeah. He had that, he he had that scramble into his right on a touchdown throw, yep. and it was just like, "Oh, oh, oh," you know, <laughs> like a little uh, little Tom Brady, uh, Drew Bledsoe thing, but. Uh, Tom Brady did not survive the second half. Oregon's, you know, for for as much as we kind of harp on uh, Oregon's offense, which, uh, boy, you know, especially for having those those receivers back, which we'll get into here in a second, that there was just a pretty uninspired effort, especially with those first three drives that all ended up pretty deep into Cal territory that ended up in uh, two Travis Dye fumbles and I believe a punt or missed field goal. Um, Oregon's defense is really, really good, man. This this was the third third straight game that they've uh, held opponents below uh, or held opponents into single digits. I believe that's the first time since 1960. Um, again, this is coming against a, a less than stellar offense, but uh, you know we've we've seen plenty of years where Oregon's defense made or other offenses look uh, near Oregon like. Um, so um, you know that's that's at least one thing that they can hang their hat on is is this defense does look consistent and so far it looks like it's been able to travel as well too yeah definitely and just one more point on monster he was a four-star recruit 5.8 rivals on rivals rating seventh rated dual threat pass in the nation now we all have seen we've seen it you and i have seen enough share our share of four-star kids not pan out terry wilson travis johnson (laughs) wilson uh, actually is pretty good at uh at kentucky but yeah travis johnson mahalik etc travis johnson Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. I was just going to no. say, I think Travis Johnson just won a game for Montana State this past weekend. As so, a receiver, uh, right? Did he so play quarterback? Is he still a he's, receiver? He's, he's dead to me because he went to the wrong Montana. Uh, <laughs> but actually, I'm sorry, Travis. I, I, I'm glad you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but, you know, at least the kid has some physical ability. So, you know, I, right. you expect him to at least do something. But 
Cal's offense is bad even with, with its uh, starting quarterback. So I still have reservations about Oregon's defense to a certain extent because, again, you can't do much more than hold teams to six and seven points. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter how bad their offense is. If you shut them down that much, then you're doing a great job regardless. So we'll see down the line when they play some teams with good quarterbacks. But there's no doubt they are doing what they need to do to help this team win. They're, they're, they're dominating in every aspect you'd want to dominate in um and so yeah it's it's impressive i'm not gonna i'm not gonna i'm not gonna douse it any more than i have like the wait and see thing because they consistently keep doing it and we're watching these same teams that they're holding the seven and six score enough to beat other teams like cal beat washington and stanford beat washington as well so i'm gonna ask you a hypothetical here let's let's say let's say this defense continues playing like this and the offense place like this and and slowly over you know the course of like a year or two like kind of the the overall identity of Oregon changes completely from like I, I still think a lot of people associate Oregon with like quick fast offense and 100 scoring 40 points a game and, and everything do you think it plays I mean the coaches aren't going to care because they're going to say you know whatever whatever works for us to win we're going to take it but just in like the overall like world of <laughs> Oregon and, and the way that they've marketed this university for the last you know more than a decade like just how much of an identity crisis would Oregon fans have or, or just this area have if this just turned into like a defensive juggernaut that can't score that can't score on offense? You know, like, a, you know, like, let's say uh, like a Chicago Bears type. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's true, though. Um, you yeah, know, no, I, no, that's, that's <laughs> hey, they won a Super Bowl that way a long, 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 long time ago. No. I, it's, Wait, it's what, year, the, what year was that? It was 80, 85. 80, uh, Were you born? 80, yeah. You oh, yeah. You yeah they never, yet, they never talk about that team. <laughs> no, <never. laughs> um, no, it's 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 a legitimate question. I think the the old school fans wouldn't care because they've been there, done that. They've they've seen teams that were dominant on defense before and, and won that way. I think some of the new age fans uh, would be a little like, well, what, what's going on? I think it would hurt them a little bit nationally because they wouldn't be as sexy. Because what made Oregon, I mean, aside from the uniforms and the marketing they did, was that they were fun to watch. They were interesting and different. Right. Um, but if they all of a sudden become a team that's winning games 23, you know, 13, that's not as sexy. I do think, though, at the end of the day, if you're winning, people are going to be down with that. It's just not going to be as sexy. Especially, especially out here on the West Coast, too. You know, I, I think that was, along with what you said, is... Um, that offense made highlights a lot. And, and we all know that the West Coast gets uh, passed up a lot by uh, East right. Coast viewers, especially when we have, uh, you know, five, six, seven p.m. type of kicks. And I, I do think there was there was a, a fair amount of interest in like, oh, let's let's see how many points Oregon put up last night and all that. And, you know, I, I don't know if uh, a, a 17 to 7 slugfest is, is going to be keeping the East Coast uh, tuned in. But you know, the Ducks do most of their recruiting in that Southern California area anyway. So it's, it's not like that's a, a well, huge market for them out. And here, go ahead. Sorry. You done? Oh, no, no. no. I was, I was, I was, I was poorly finishing that point. Okay. <laughs> well, here, here's, here's the other side to that. Well, for, first thing, I, I'll never forget Dwayne Stanford, uh, former Oregon receiver. He's from Cincy, from, right? From Cincy, yeah, who basically grew up a Ducks fan and wanted to be a Ducks so bad. Like when the Ducks sent him a letter, it was like he was done. He wanted to go there. He grew up watching, you know, the uniforms and the offenses they were running. They just started uh, the, the no huddle spread when he was a kid. Um, but however, one of the criticisms of Oregon has always been, yeah, but they're soft against uh, the big boys because they don't play great right. defense and because they don't have the, you know, the, the front line. So on one hand, from a national perspective, they might actually garner more res respect if they can play great defense and be physical like that 
you know, east of the Rockies. It might not be as sexy, but from a football, from, from a fan standpoint, it might not be sexy, but from a football standpoint, that might actually earn them more respect than all this, you know, gimmickry, no, you know, no huddle, running a right. play every 13 seconds and, you know, that kind of nonsense. So it'll, it'll be fascinating to see how that plays out if it continues. I don't think that's the goal, though. Like, I think they desperately right. want to fix the offense. So we'll see. Yeah, well, uh, you know, one program that has a ton of national respect is Stanford. And how many yeah. national titles game has Stanford played in over the last uh, ever? Nada. Respect sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Respect's overrated. Yeah. Okay, so uh, finally, 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 I think we can talk about the receivers for the last time ever, right? You know, Please? the day to day to day to day to day to day actually turned into Saturday. Uh, the Ducks got Juwan Johnson in for the first time. They got Micah Pittman in for the first time. They got Brennan Schooler in for the first time. And all this anticipation led to five catches between the three of them. Yeah, Which really I think changed, I don't know. changed the game, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I, I, uh, uh, the news that came out of the week was Schooler and Pittman knew they were going to play in this game. Pittman started practicing early last week. Schooler came along shortly after. Juwan Johnson was still kind of in that day-to-day range up until pretty late in the week. So their usage kind of followed that pattern. Pittman played the most out of the three of them. Uh, I don't I don't have a snap count on Johnson, but I mean, I remember seeing him on the field maybe like three or four times. Is that about right? Maybe a little bit more? I don't even know. I don't remember. Yeah. Don't, he didn't do yeah, it was it was he, he didn't make much of an impact. And uh uh Brendan Schooler had Brendan Schooler actually had a pretty timely 20, 21 yard catch, and you know, he's He's a guy that does, you know, he he does more than just catch the ball. But um, did we see anything out of these guys that that gave us enough of an impression to uh, fill a segment here? Or uh, <laughs> uh, well, yeah. I, I liked no. what Pittman did. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Pitt, Pittman was nice, I guess. You know, I I, I don't know. I just <clears throat> I, I've seen so many hyped receivers come in, and everyone's like, everyone acts like as soon as they touch the field, they're gonna get 150 and two touchdowns, and and you know, it, it takes time usually to build up to that point where you can be that kind of guy. So the idea that these three were going to change the face of the offense and some people were leaning on that and there's excuse for their struggles. To me, it was ridiculous. You had two guys who've never caught a pass at Oregon before, uh, one a true freshman. And then Schooler, who, you know, people were down on Schooler and then all of a sudden he was missing. It was like, oh my God, we need Schooler back. They're, right. You know, I, I do think Juwan 100% <laughs> healthy would be a difference maker from a standpoint that we talked about. He's a big target. He's a veteran. He knows what he's doing. I think they desperately want him back. Pittman's going to take time. You know, I, I mean, I don't know. I, it's like I don't, I'm not trying to dog the kid. I'm, he could be great. But right now, it's like I don't I'm, I don't think he's going to carry the the passing game to the point where it's going to also right. teams going to score 38 a game. Um, so I don't know. It's just it is what it is. We, we, I don't know. I just feel like I've been down this road so many times before and it never really works out. Right. You know, I, I, I think it's 100 percent smart to I, I don't think you can say that the Ducks should be able to hang their hat on any of these guys quite yet because it's it's been one game. And, and especially for Pittman, it was his first ever game. I mean, how many how many times have you seen freshmen, you know, have a good game and then do nothing the next week? I, I, I will say I will say like it was, I guess, encouraging like Pitt, Pittman's catches like none of them were like spectacular, but they weren't all just like wide open, easy. He had a couple like quick slants. Um, one, one of them, he was pretty draped in coverage. So like it was just. Uh, it it was nice to see him catch he a couple. Like he could be good, right? <laughs> right, it, it, exactly. There was there was definitely potential there, but it, it, it was kind of funny his first catch. And like, granted, I I know this kid has uh, really wanted to get out on on the field, and and he's been hyped up, and you know he's probably you know heard everyone else talking about him. I have never seen a guy celebrate. Uh, what was it? Probably like a fifteen yard 
catch more than his first catch in that, yeah, in that game. He was jacked. He, he, yeah, <laughs> but I mean, I mean, good for him. I mean, he he came back from from shoulder shoulder surgery in in four or five weeks. So I mean, he he's definitely earned that right. But uh, uh, that was that was probably the biggest offensive celebration of a game that didn't have a whole lot of offensive celebration. Definitely. And one one other point too about the offense is driving me nuts. And, and all teams do this. This is not specific to Oregon. But you can't go to the, oh, we committed penalties and, oh, we turned it over card. That's part of being a good offense is not turning it over and not right. committing penalties that hurt you. Cal, how many drives in the second half did Cal end up first and 20 on? Like It was tripping me out how many times they were first and 15 or first and 20 because they began their drives or began that series with a holding call or a false start or whatever. Like They were killing themselves as well. So you can't make it all about your penalties or your turnovers. And you have to give Cal credit for the turnovers. At least one of the fumbles, the guy knocked it out of Dye's hands. That's from what I recall with his elbow, I think. Maybe it was an accident. I don't know. Right. He still knocked it out. And then the pick, that was great coverage. And they got pressure on Herbert, and Herbert made a bad throw. You have to give Cal credit for that. So that can't be an excuse. Be the Seahawks' 12th man wherever you go. The Athletics' Michael Sean Duger and Christopher Kidd comprise our Seattle Seahawks podcast, Seahawks Man to Man. Michael Sean and Christopher applauded Seattle's narrow NFC West victory versus the Rams and Russ's dominance during their emergency Friday podcast. Make sure you man or woman up and follow the Seahawks Man to Man podcast by visiting the podcast show page for updates when new episodes are released. Let's talk a little bit about the running game. Uh, we'll get into the biggest run of the game. Uh, Cyrus Habibi Likio's 20-yard takedown of uh, some drunk fan. Has he been ID'd? Yes, and I, I have something good on that. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. But, okay. <laughs> okay, so I'm, I'm Travis Dye has lost four fumbles in his career. So that's four fumbles lost in 185 career carries. C.J. Verdell has 266 career carries, two fumbles lost. Royce Freeman, which is unfair to compare anybody to because he's one right. of the better runners in Oregon history, 947 career carries, three lost fumbles. Travis Dye very obviously has fumble issues, and they have come in spurts. I mean, he had two in this game, and then the other two came last year. The thing that all fans are going to gravitate to because it's, it's such a visual thing is he doesn't wear gloves. He doesn't like to wear him. He's never worn him. His, his older brother doesn't wear him. But his older brother's job isn't to hold on to the football. Do you think? Do you think he just needs to put him on for one game just to give it a shot? I mean, I mean, am, am I looking too much into this? It's an interesting question. I'd have to look at all four fumbles and decide right. if gloves would have made him not lose the ball. Like again, I mean, he had, he had that he had that one where it looked like he just threw it to the other team. I don't think gloves are going to do anything there. But right. It, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but did, was that the one where, where when he cut in, he, his arm hit the other guy's arm? There was one where his arm hit the cow guy's arm and it popped loose. I thought, at least that's what I remember seeing up on the screen. But anyway, right. you'd have to look at each fumble and think, okay, would tackify gloves or something give you better grip on it to where you wouldn't have lost that fumble? I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't wear gloves and they don't they catch the ball fine and they don't lose the ball. So I don't know if you can blame it all on gloves. And if gloves were the end all to be all, then everyone – then everyone who used it would never fumble, and we all know that we know that's not true. And Royce Freeman, I mean, I, you remember Royce Freeman's arms? How could you ever get anything out of his arms, let alone a football? Dude, uh, so I, I, I remember to say. 
I, I remember it was it was like the first day of fall camp 2014 and Royce was walking in and I was walking out of practice and I think he was just wearing like a tank top or something or, or just like a muscle <laughs> shirt. And everyone was just like, holy shit. Or what uh, is that? Sorry, yeah. yeah. Wait, did um, you just swear? <gasps> can we swear? No, I place? didn't. I didn't. I mean, this is this is uh, this is an exclusive athletic podcast. Uh, no, actually, this is the one going out to everybody. I apologize, everyone. But R- Royce Freeman looked like a man. Uh, like I've I've never seen anybody look more like he was like 29 and like looked like he'd like spent the last 10 years pouring concrete. Yeah. Then 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 he was Jonathan Stewart 2.0. And and you also you also Uh, remember you also remember the legends that were coming out of practice because we couldn't watch practice. Oh yeah. We kept hearing these stories about he like ran over everybody and like he was dragging guys in the end zone like Fat Albert (laughs) when he played football the Fat Albert game. Man, I I used I used to love. When, I used to love talking to Gary uh, Campbell, like when he had like a young runner that he really liked. Mm-hmm. Like, like man, that guy, that guy could, re- that that guy has a resume. No. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, Cam- Campbell. I just, I just remember when when Royce first came out. You know, Campbell just kind of had a little like twinkle in his eye. It's just like, yeah, <laughs> like this, he this knew, guy, right? This guy, this guy's gonna be pretty darn good. Um, you know, and the the tough thing about like those die fumbles is overall like. You know, th- this wasn't like an, a, a crazy, insane r- game on the ground for the Ducks, but it w- it was on its way to looking better than it had the last couple of weeks. I mean, uh, I, I think the issue still is you look at the longest runs of the game and it's, it's Justin Herbert, 26 yards. I mean, th- this yeah. is a backfield that just doesn't quite I, I can't remember like the last time we really saw like in, in meaningful time, not not in one of those final drives where like against Nevada or uh uh, Montana, but like, when's the last time they broke free for just like a really like game changing game? It's, it's, we just haven't seen that this year. Oh, not, not even close this year. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I go back to the Washington game. Verdell had a hundred in that game. Verdell had a good game in the Stanford game and he had a good game at Cal last year, but late in the season when they really started struggling, I don't remember very many good games for either one of them. Um, yeah, that, and that they, is they, part, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say they did have the one really good game against Oregon State. Oh, but, yeah. You know, I, think if he, I think if you, I think, I think if you, gave me, you, you and me, yeah, if you gave you and me a helmet and, and said to get in there and I'll be your lead blocker, I think we could get you at least 75. But, exactly. Um. Uh, but no, but yeah, it was it was kind of sad to see Verdell go down because he was on track to get 100 plus easily. And they did run well. Like this is a game where I would say, and yes, even if you take away Herbert's rushing, they still ran better than they had been running the ball. Um, and so I, I think that it's a shame that they couldn't capitalize on that by not hurting themselves the way they did or that, and they were doing it against the Cal team. That is a pretty good defense, but actually Cal's one weakness is a little bit against the run. They've allowed some teams to kind of run it on them pretty solidly, but still they, they showed signs of maybe turning the corner there. It'll be interesting to see if they can build upon that against Colorado. I, I, I really thought that they were going to like bust that down there in the second half with the way they were pounding it in, 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 in the first half. And you just didn't really kind of see that uh, attrition from the Cal defense there. So, uh, but then again, that was when Verdell was out and, and, and they, you know, uh, die after, after those first two quarter fumbles, I think he got one or two carries the rest of the game after that, as they kind of like transitioned to uh, uh, Cyrus Habibi Licchio, who we'll talk about now because in a game that overall was a uh, pretty, uh, um, I don't want to say boring because we used that one a couple of weeks ago, but just a very grinded out sluggish game. Uh, Cyrus Habibi Licchio had the play of the game and I, uh, I was able to get it on, on tape. It's probably some of my best documentation. I've that ever, was hilarious, I've ever done. dude. You, you had um, the, can- I just have to point this out real quick. 
I was watching it, and so like I, there was like a little itty bitty part of me wondering if a player would do something, but I didn't think a college player would take it upon themselves to do that. But Tyson had his phone up, like he was just waiting for something. He's like, "I'm gonna get this, no matter what." And the guy runs all the way down to one end, and then stops and comes all the way back. And Tyson just stayed with it. He's like, "I'm just gonna stay with it." And then, boom, Cyrus delivered for you. That was good stuff. You, what, what, what's <laughs> what? What could have been way worse is I'm pretty sure at like the top top of. Uh, uh, top of the uh, the huddle or, or meeting they were having there, it looked like I think it was Penny Sewell like started to take like one step towards them and, and like I so essentially Cyrus prevented that kid from getting killed because if it was Penny Sewell coming at him, that, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that. we we we've we've seen how much Penny Sewell likes knocking people on the rear. Um, I think that that would have been uh, I I think it's F equals M A right? You know, force equals max mass times acceleration. Um, oh, now we're doing science. You got on me for too much math. Yeah. Now we're going to science. Come on. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's an educational podcast. This is why people tune in <laughs> it's, it's to hear two sports writers talk about things they have no idea about. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways, it, it, it was a fun moment, especially because you know Cyrus did have that touchdown, and uh, I, I wrote about this week. Uh, you know, he missed that Stanford game with back spasms, and that was a really kind of big bummer for him because he's right. he's from Palo Alto. His whole family came out, and actually. Um, his, his grandpa, who has like always been like one of his biggest fans, always the first guy to show up, uh, in the locker room, like after high school games, uh, his grandpa actually was, like suffered heat stroke in the middle of the Stanford game because he, mm. he didn't want to like move out of the sun to keep watching like Cyrus didn't even play. And, and like he, <laughs> Cyrus, Cyrus told me that like his grandpa was like, no, I'm going to keep watching the game. Oh, wow. Um, fortunately he was okay. And actually made it up to Eugene uh, this week for this game for the very first time in uh, in, in Cyrus's career, and so Cyrus was able to uh, uh, have the play of the game and then get Oregon's uh, uh, go ahead touchdown there. So um, nice play or nice, uh, just a nice overall night for Oregon's uh, six foot one sophomore uh, running back. It'll be interesting to see if, if they can just make him a part of, you know, maybe maybe he's a top two now. Like get him out there, see if he can take advantage of his size more in this run game and bring some force to what they want to do. Cause Verdell Verdell plays physical, but he's still so small. Like, I don't know if you want him doing that too often. Let's see Cyrus be the number two back man. Maybe Travis takes a step back to number three. And also let's give Cyrus credit for how he handled the fan. He didn't blast yeah. the guy. He yeah. just got to him and then kind of like just bumped him and that was enough. And then just put him down and that was it. Cause he could have man, he if he would have just destroyed the kid, then you're looking at a lawsuit. You know, it, it was uh, it was one of those things where like you kind of, you know, when you see only college football athletes on a field, you kind of forget like how fast they are because, you know, if <laughs> right. everyone's the same speed. Right. That guy was I mean, OK, we could tell that guy was pretty slow from the start, but like Cyrus closed in on him it, like like that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, it, it was, was instant. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was that was pretty fun. Uh, OK, so so you did you did mention the fan earlier. He he appeared on, on so the backstory to that is Cyrus t- said at the end of the game, you know, hey, I, I really hope I didn't hurt this guy. If he has Twitter, if he has Instagram, reach out to me. Maybe we'll go get an ice cream or something. Well, I'm here to tell you, Cyrus, don't pay for that guy's ice cream. Because the next morning the guy gets on Twitter. He, he looks like he's like a college student, you know, first probably couple semesters of his uh, college is career. Sti- is he still going to be a college student? Well, so he he set up a GoFundMe account with all like the videos, being like, "Hey, I'm that guy. Like, pay for my pay for my uh, fines and everything." What? 
was. You know, it was it was a good story for me up until you start asking people to pay your consequences. You know, <laughs> so so he he rightfully ended up getting blown up on Twitter for basically you know uh, delaying that game and then asking fans to uh, uh, pay for his ticket. So I'm uh, I'm very anti uh, anti this story now because I I, I don't want this kids. Uh, you know, you got you got to learn from your mistakes, right? Hundred percent. Is he getting donations? Uh, I think he deleted it because, uh, you know, Twitter, Twitter is not a great place overall, but every once in a while it does the right thing. And this time it did the right thing and it ganged up on him and kind of made him look like an idiot. So, oh man, his parents need to smack him around a little bit. Dude, I, I saw, I saw another fan too. It was, uh, um, so we're, we're in the press box, which is up on like the fifth floor and towards the end of there's these two big elevators and, and they're both run by uh, Austin stadium staff. And, uh, usually during the game, it's, it's pretty easy to go up and down, but in the last like five minutes or so, so one of the elevators is always held for like the, the coaches and analysts and stuff to come down. And so it was a full elevator. I was trying to get down to the field. So I decided to take the stairs and there's like two or three guys uh, fans who were very, very drunk, who had just come out of one of the um, uh, one of the suites, and they were they were just sprinting down the stairs, taking like three or four steps at a time. And you know, I'm I'm reading the defense here. I'm going like, oh, this this isn't going to be pretty. Uh, one of them misses a step, tries to take the turn, takes two more steps, and absolutely just face plants into a, a cement oh. wall. No just way. straight into a cement wall. And it's like me and like, you know, three or four uh, elderly Ducks fans behind us. And we all kind of did that. Ooh. And the guy got up, kind of did that look around like, did anyone see this? Well, yeah, like a hundred <laughs> of us saw it. But the most impressive thing I saw was like as his as his face is making contact with the concrete wall, he managed to somehow set his beer down perfectly, save it, like bloody up his face, pick it up and keep going back down the stairs. So, um, you know, it was just, so you're giving him props <laughs> nah, giving I, him a I, nine five for the landing. You know, I, I wasn't going to give him props up until I saw like just quick hands, you know, where we, uh, <laughs> we, we spend our days watching athletes and, and sometimes you can identify them even in, in non-athletic <laughs> situations. And, and, and this guy, you know, he's got a high pain threshold, uh, and, and knows, and knows how to take care of the rock. So it performs well under duress. It performs well under duress. Okay. Hey, so we got Colorado this week and it's a short week. Uh, the ducks play Colorado on Friday, which tell me if this sounds familiar. Colorado looked like a pretty formidable team up until they lost at home this week to Arizona. And yeah, keep, keep in mind, Arizona actually does have some talent with a uh, Khalil Tate who like went off in that game. Uh, we'll get, we'll get more into the preview of that later, but I got a question for you, Aaron. Mm-hmm. In 2016, the Oregon Ducks wore orange socks, orange face masks, and green everything else and looked like ducks against <clears> the <throat> Buffaloes. Were those the best Oregon uniforms of all time or were they the worst u- Oregon uniforms of all time? And not just orange socks, but the shoes were orange right. and all the way up through the socks. So they looked like exactly like the duck mascot. I actually appreciated them because from up in the press box, it looked like a bunch of duck mascots running <laughs> they, around. They looked there. When, when, when they all came out for warm-ups, it was like, oh my gosh, like they pulled this off. <laughs> yeah, I thought it actually looked kind of cool. However, it's it's a one and done, obviously, one off. You can't do that more than once. But I, you know, the fact that they lost, I kind of felt like it was it was yeah. like, this is kind Dude. of hypocritical. They were cool, but at the same time, they were a little bit like, really? And so they kind of deserved to lose in them. That that's that's a uniform you have to wear like 
in 2014 when you have Marcus Mariota and you know you're not going <laughs> to like like you you have to win by 30 or 40 in those uniforms for people to go like damn remember when they wore those duck ones because that that was coming off of that was coming off of like the Nebraska loss where Oregon yeah. fans were already pissed off because the Ducks didn't kick an extra point <laughs> right. uh, then the, then they lost then they lost that Colorado game so now you're 2 and 3 I believe and then and then that same year they wore those throwback webfoot uniforms which looked which I actually thought were beautiful uniforms if you're cal because they were cal colors and then they lost by like 70 to uh 70 to Washington so I I think that was kind of the year where fans began to sour on the uh the one off uh, gimmicky uniforms. Yeah, that I think and I think well, I shouldn't say that cuz I was going to say that I think that whoever penciled that in thought, yeah, Colorado is going to be an easy win for us because they'd been dominating Colorado. But then again, I don't think anyone thought Washington was going to be an easy win when they scheduled the, those throwbacks. So maybe that wasn't the case. But yeah, it's it, it's one of those things where it's cute while you're winning as soon as you lose in those and everyone focuses on those. But the uniforms have nothing to do with any of that. Like it's it's kind of unfair, that, but that, it's it's a definite legitimate criticism from a standpoint of don't overhype yourself too much if you can't get it done. <laughs> they they had terrible luck in those one-off ones because the year before when they wore those like Lewis and Clark ones uh that that was the game that Vernon Adams Washington missed State, Washington right? State yeah and they ended up losing losing that game and then Washington State's social media account tweeted out the uh the graphic of uh, the Oregon Ducks have died of dysentery which uh <laughs> <laughs> which which I still think is one of the greatest troll jobs uh, in college history up until did did you see what Cincinnati did with uh, UCF this weekend uh uh-uh. uh Okay, so so I think it was Cincinnati. Yeah, Cincinnati beat uh, UCF, and they, uh, you know, UCF is based out of Orlando, and so they they tweeted out this uh, um, this video. It was like that Disney intro that like starts at every Disney video with like it's a camera coming over the river, and then the castle in the background, and the star or the the shooting star that goes over the castle, and then the words came in where it would usually say Walt Disney. It goes, "Yeah, hate to see it." <laughs> after after they beat <laughs> after they beat UCF, so that 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 was I, I enjoyed that one and uh, I, yeah. Well, any 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 parting thoughts here before we? Uh, well, uh, we well I know off? I know we're going to talk about Colorado later in the week, but this I think this is dangerous for them because this, they're going to play the best quarterback they face yeah montez is 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 one of the most experienced quarterbacks in the pac 12 and i think he's shoot i think he's got nfl potential man he's got size he's he's got he's got all the intangibles right and he's and he's the quarterback who as a freshman was the backup Mm -hmm. and came in to beat them when oregon wore those duck uniforms those uh uh mascot uniforms and i i I mean it's funny to me he's still around i've yeah, <laughs> it's funny that he's still around because I feel like, isn't this guy like 30? But he's got 10 touchdown passes already <laughs> with only two picks, completing 67%. So, but their defense is suspect. So this could be a game where they finally give up 20-plus to someone. Can the offense get it done on offense against a weak defense? I would imagine they would. But I, I see this being maybe twenty. This is a 27-23 Oregon win maybe. Yeah, yeah, that – yeah, that sounds about right. If if this game was played on the road, I think I'd like Colorado in it just because I I I still think Oregon's the best team in the North, but I'm I'm completely with you and I I have haven't seen anything that makes me think that they're remotely capable of running the table here unless it's just the fact that the other teams are even more remotely incapable of running the table. So, um, and and they got a cat at receiver too, man. This uh Tony, Tony Brown kid 442 and four tubs already. Woo. That 
that that'll be fun. Uh, that, that's by far the the probably the biggest test for this this Oregon secondary. That's that's played awfully well this year. You know, between yeah. like Thomas Graham and Diamador Lenore, and man, Javon Holland's a dude. He he keeps playing well. Um, yeah, but what's his deal post game? Twice now, I've only I've been to three or five games, and twice now he's come out and once he said, "Let's make it quick," and then the, the other day he's like, three questions, then I'm out." And I looked at my life, I was like, "Where you got to be?" And he didn't answer me. But I'm thinking to myself, "What the hell?" I got to look at you. Got, you got to look into that, Tyson, because is, is he trying to big time us, or does he have somewhere to really to be? I'm not just going to follow him around. You're on that this week. That's your assignment. That's your. What's Javon Holland doing after games? Well, well, that was that was like uh, uh, the one player that I remember being like the most notorious for like just hating to do interviews was Thomas Tyner. Uh, Man, Tyner, Tyner, like we we always thought there was like these secret underground tunnels and stuff that they'd have Tyner. (laughs) I mean, they probably do, but it would it would just be like, all right, I got I got Tyner on Tuesday. Like this interview's coming, and he's gone. (laughs) yeah all right well hey everyone thanks 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 for uh listening to our episode here again this is uh our our free episode which is available where everywhere podcasts are we would really appreciate a a rating and a review and uh uh, join us on friday for our exclusive episode for athletic subscribers um where we will uh break down the uh colorado game in detail so uh um thanks uh thanks for listening and uh i'll uh, see you in a few days aaron Yes, you will.